Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. I record this podcast uh, to invest in the move of God that's happening in our five-state region of South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And in this episode today, I'm going to continue the End Times for Beginners course. We're going to talk about a very exciting topic in the Bible called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And this is something I believe happens in that first 1,000-year uh, 1, period of Jesus reigning on the earth after he returns. And um, this wedding supper of the Lamb is awesome. There's so many exciting details. This is a literal event that is going to happen in the future. And all who follow Jesus and are part of his kingdom will get to participate in it. So I encourage you to just sit back and enjoy uh, listening to this topic from the scriptures. And um, we'll get straight into it right after this word from our sponsor. Hey guys, welcome to session 25 of the End Times for Beginners course. And this is a series of short videos designed to give you a basic understanding of what the Bible teaches concerning the return of Jesus, the events that lead up to the return of Jesus, and then the events that follow the return of Jesus. And in this particular session, we are going to, again, be looking at one of the, the main events that takes place after the return of Jesus, when he... Um, takes his seat on David's throne as the king of Israel and begins ruling the nations, there's initially that first 1,000 years of his reign is a transition period. It's a very unique period because it's a transition period from this present evil age to the fullness of God's reign in the earth. And it, 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 the reign of Jesus, when he when he begins to rule the nations after his return, it's not going to be implemented instantaneously, where he just waves his wand and poof, all the cities are rebuilt, and his will is being perfectly implemented among all the people on the earth. And it's going to be implemented in a progressive way. It's going to start in the capital city of Jerusalem, which will be the capital of his kingdom on the earth. It will begin... To work out from there and his will and ways will be implemented in the surrounding nations and then ultimately to the ends of the earth among every nation, tribe, and tongue. But it's going to happen in a progressive way in the entire process of establishing his kingdom in fullness in all the earth. The Bible says it's going to take a thousand year period. So that first 1,000 years of his reign is a unique time period because it's a transitional period. And then after that 1,000 years at the end of it, there's a, a final judgment, and then uh, the only people left on earth after that are saints in resurrected bodies who love Jesus and his will is perfectly implemented throughout the earth. So what I want to talk about in this session is um, a, a, an ev a major event that is actually talked about in uh, several different places in the Bible called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And, you know, we read, I'm going to read a couple passages that I believe speak of the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. I'm not going to have time in this short video to do all of them, but I want to just give you an introduction to what this event will be, when I think it will take place. Of course, you read some of these passages and it doesn't give us every single detail about this event called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. It does give us some details, and so we'll look at that. We'll build off of that. And then um, some of it, you know, it, I, I don't know if you can answer definitively exactly when that wedding supper of the lamb takes place um, when after Jesus returns. Um, my guess is that it takes place toward the beginning 
of uh, Jesus' reign on earth. So I, I think it happens pretty shortly after he be, takes his seat on David's throne in Jerusalem and begins to rule the nations. I think it's, my guess is, it's probably one of the first things that are happening. But again, I'm not dogmatic about that. So I'm just going to give you my thoughts on this. Just And the reason I, I want to talk about this, one, the Bible does, but also I just kind of in these videos, I got four videos or so in this uh, course about things the Bible says will happen during that first 1,000 year period or the millennium, people call it. Um, cause I want to give you an idea, just like these passages give us a good idea of, okay, like I can begin to imagine what life is actually going to be like living on the earth during the reign of Jesus in this time period. And, and it's exciting to think about. So let's look at a couple of the passages and first in revelation chapter 19, verse six through nine, it says, then I heard again, what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. I mean, that is an amazing sound. If you've ever been in a large stadium where there's, you know, like tens of thousands or sometimes, you know, there's crusades like Reinhard Bonnke has done uh, in Africa where there's hundreds of thousands of people gathered together in the same meeting and all of them are shouting praises to God triumphantly at the same time. I mean, it is like shake the earth kind of uh, sound that's powerful and it's happening. And this is what John is hearing here. And then he's, and they, and what are they saying? They're saying, praise the Lord for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb. Now, of course, this, when you read it in context, Revelation 19, 6 through 9, this is right at the time, it's, it's, it's right at the time when uh, God has judged um, the harlot Babylon and uh, d destroyed uh, the city of Babylon. It's also right around the time, like right after this in Revelation 19, is the Battle of Armageddon. It's the return of Jesus, the Battle of Armageddon. So anyway, that's uh, interesting where it's placed. It says, um, the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. So it, and that means like the bride of Christ, the people of God who follow Jesus in the earth by this point, at this point in time when this takes place, the wedding supper of the Lamb, it says that we have finally become mature and ready to assume leadership of the earth with Jesus. You know, our destiny as the, the people of God is to rule the nations of the earth, literally, to rule cities, to rule the nations of the earth in the many different facets uh, in partnership with the bridegroom, the King Jesus. And he's going to rule the nations, but he's going to do it in partnership with his bride by his own choice, by his own will. And even now, and even through the events leading up to his return, that the trials, the tribulations, the different things that we go through, God is using that to prepare his people across the earth to get us to the point of the devotion and maturity and humility and wisdom where we are capable of handling that level of authority and uh, partnering with him to implement his rule throughout the nations of the earth. And by the time the wedding supper of the lamb comes and Jesus returns, the bride will have made herself ready and will be a, a mature, ready to assume leadership of, of the earth in partnership with Jesus, of course, under his leadership. Verse 8, it says, She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, 
for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So there's garments that are given to the bride of Christ um, at the wedding supper of the Lamb that represent the righteous deeds that we did during our life. So something about the, the garments, I believe, in and of themselves are a reward from Jesus to his people, and they actually are designed by him to make a statement about a our righteous deeds and the way we loved him uh, during our, um, our our life on earth in this present age. Verse 9, it says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words that come from God. So let me just, uh, I'm going to read one more passage in just a few minutes, but I want to just really quickly give you my thoughts on when I just meditate on these biblical passages that give us some of the details, not all of them, about the wedding supper of the Lamb. I'm like, what's it going to be like? Like, Why is this thing significant? And I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts. This is, I got some of these ideas from commentaries I've read too and as I've meditated on over the years. And you can just take these, weigh them before the Lord, And um, but I think it's exciting. So when I think of the marriage supper of the Lamb, I think it is the worldwide inauguration or you could say coronation ceremony uh, like a big festival of the king and his bride. Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords, officially, it's like he's returned, he's established his throne on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. He's going to inaugurating his rule in the nations. And it's like Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords, at the wedding supper of the Lamb, is officially presenting his bride as his co-ruler to the peoples and the nations of the world. And he's doing it like, I don't think this is something that happens in an afternoon. I don't think this is an evening. I think this is going to be like a festival that will go on for a, a, a maybe days and days, maybe weeks, maybe a week. I don't know, but I think it's going to go on for a significant chunk of time, you know, whether that's like several days or a week or several weeks, I don't know. But I think it's going to be a giant festival. The nations of the earth will uh, be participating in it and seeing what's happening in some way. Jesus presents his co-ruler, his bride, as his co-ruler to the peoples of the world. And as he does it, he's telling our stories. You know, t- telling our stories of our acts of righteousness and devotion to him and the sacrificial way that we love people during, uh, b- uh leading up to his return. He's going to tell our stories expressing before the world how much he was moved by our acts of righteousness. And he gives us those garments, etc. I see this as like a festival kicking off the dawning of the new age of Jesus reign on the earth. It's a time when the nations are governed by Jesus and his bride. So when I think of the wedding supper of the lamb, I I think of like these different kinds of celebrations and ceremonies all combined into one giant festival, the wedding supper of the lamb. So I think of a grand wedding, you know, you think of like, uh, when, um, a king or a prince or a princess gets married and it's this national, like all the TV channels are there. It's this national ceremony, celebration, this grand wedding. And of course, Jesus, the bridegroom, the king over all the kings on the earth is is like getting married to his bride, the people of God throughout the ages, the saints throughout the ages. And I think it's like a wedding ceremony. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And there's lots of different things that happen at this extended festival. And he is, it's like a grand wedding. And so there's that that intimate, powerful love commitment 
covenant dynamic that's being expressed between Jesus and his bride and his bride back to Jesus. I just think it's going to be a powerful, intimate time uh, with the Lord together. I think it's also, uh, I think of a presidential inauguration ceremony. You know, here in the United States, when a new president is elected, I mean, on the night of the election, they have this giant ceremony and all these famous people are invited and it's this huge inaugural, uh, it's this huge uh, celebration. Um, I, I'm sorry, at the time that, you know, he's sworn in, he takes office, he's officially now the president of the United States and then there's a big celebration, inauguration ceremony. I think it's going to be that type of dynamic at the same time, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, uh, it's going to be like an inauguration same ceremony of not only Jesus ruling the nations, but the bride of Christ that will be ruling with him. Um, I, I think of great celebration festivals. You know, I even think of like some of the festivals in the Old Testament that Israel had, um, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles. And there's just celebration and feasting and rejoicing and giving glory to God and praising the Lord and the reading of the scriptures. And I think it's going to be a grand celebration at, uh, you know, of the reign of Jesus and his bride, the dawning of the new age, the victory over the kingdom of darkness on, on all the earth. And I think of a uh, graduation or promotion ceremonies. You know, you go to, um, you know, my brother was in the United States military and he received a promotion and, uh, to uh, the rank of a chief. And I went to that, the, um, the, the ceremony and it was just this beautiful, powerfully moving ceremony of all that he had gone through to earn that promotion. It wasn't just give it to him. He had to earn it. And he had to be recommended even by, by his uh, leaders and those in rank over him and even by some of his peers. And it was just this awesome honoring uh, recognition ceremony to honor him and the achievement and the accomplishment of him stepping into his new role as a leader, uh, his new leadership role in the military. And I think that's it's going to have that dynamic too in the wedding supper of the Lamb of the bride of Christ. We're stepping into our new role. It's a ceremony because we've been chosen by Jesus to rule with him and even the uh, the peoples around us will bear witness to his righteous judgment that we are worthy the bride of Christ is actually worthy to rule alongside the lamb of God who we know he's worthy but the bride will make herself ready he will have us ready by that time and um, I think it's going to be like a promotion ceremony I think of um, uh, ceremonies uh, you know, celebrating the triumphant return of military heroes. You know, I think of like, uh, you know, when there's a great war and um, I, I've heard about this, I've not read about it, but like even in empires past, the Roman Empire or something like that, where the arm, army would go off and fight a battle and they'd be victorious in battle and sacrificial, heroic, like fighting, laying their lives down, winning a great victory for the empire. And they come back and there's official ceremony where they bring the spoils of the nations and they march down the main street and they present the spoils of their victories to the king who was Caesar at that time in front of like thousands of people in the capital city of the empire who are cheering for the heroes who have won a victory for the empire. And I think that dynamic is going to be uh, uh, what the wedding supper of the lamb feels like. It's like not only will Jesus, of course, be celebrated. I, I, I bet you, I think my... I. 
pretty certain about this. I think we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper at the wedding supper of the Lamb because right before Jesus was crucified, he he ate the Lord's Supper. He took the bread with his disciples at the Passover. He says, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Take drink. This is my blood poured out for the blood of the covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says, um, I will not... Uh, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. I think at at the dawning of the age to come when Jesus is reigning, we're going to have this giant wedding festival and there's going to be a time where we actually break bread at the table with the Lord himself. Like the original apostles are going to be at the table. Abraham will be at the table. All the saints throughout history, all our stories will be told and all of us will just, will break the bread and look at the lamb of God and see the whole in his hands the scars and in his resurrected body and we are going to just i it's going to be it's moving to me to even meditate upon right now and think about but we're going to worship him who is worthy our great hero none of this would be possible except for his sacrifice on the cross he laid his life down for the salvation of every single person who was sitting at that table with him in the wedding supper of the lamb and um, i think we're going to honor him but i think he's going to turn and honor us at the same time and he's going to tell our stories and give us rewards and it's going to be a public ceremony and it's going to be this beautiful celebration of the triumph over the kingdom of darkness of the of the uh, bridegroom and his bride it's going to be a beautiful time so i see all these different types of like uh earthly ceremonies that I just described, if you combine them all into one grand ceremony, I think these are foreshadows of the wedding supper of the Lamb that will come, and in my opinion, I could be wrong about this, I think it's going to take place very quickly after Jesus uh, begins to reign uh, uh, from Jerusalem after his return. So let me read one more scripture, I'll share a few few thoughts on it, and then... uh, finish up this video so isaiah 25 verses 6 through 9 i think this is a a prophetic scripture about the wedding supper of the lamb that's to come it says in jerusalem that's where the feast is going to be which makes sense that's the capital city of his kingdom on the earth the lord of heaven's armies that's jesus will spread a wonderful feast so it's going to be a feast for all the people of the world so I think every single person on the earth is somehow going to be participating in this wedding supper of the Lamb, uh, at least watching it. I mean, I don't. I think I think that's my opinion. It says it will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. I mean, it's going to be the best of the best of food, like prepared with perfection. It's going to be gourmet to the hilt. I imagine there's going to be many courses. It's going to be over many, many days, and it's just going to be this awesome feast. In verse 7, it says, there, I love this. Listen to this. He will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. I believe that's speaking of the curse that is over natural creation that he pronounced over natural creation in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall of man. And that's only a temporary thing, the curse. God, God's will from the beginning, his eternal plan is that the people living on the earth and the earth itself are blessed forever. The curse is a temporary thing during the age of sin. But after Jesus returns, I believe he's going to, at the wedding supper of the Lamb, this is how I see verse 7 playing out, he's going to officially re, uh, 
revoke the curse, undo the curse that hangs over uh, like a cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. That is going to be a powerful moment that happens at the wedding supper of the Lamb. I mean, this is an epic event. I cannot wait for this event. My opinion, I think that the, the judgment of believers... Where there's a final judgment that happens at the at the end of the, first, the initial 1,000 years of Jesus' reign on the earth, but I believe that there there's another. The Bible talks about another judgment of believers, where the believers, the saints, receive our rewards for for our acts of righteousness during our during our life on the earth. And I believe my opinion is I could be wrong on this. This is subjective, but I think that. It's going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually at the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're getting our garments and uh, we receive our eternal rewards and our promotions and our positions of rank and and, uh, authority and blessing to begin working in after the wedding supper of the Lamb uh, to uh, implement Jesus' rule throughout the nations of the earth. So verse 8, it says, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. Now, that's talking about Israel, the land of Israel, and the Jewish people, who the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God made an eternal covenant with, that they would live in that land forever. you got to remember, like, throughout the ages, they, like, the Jewish people have been attacked. There's been holocaust. There's going to be another one. We've already talked about that. They've been through terrible suffering, terrible um being mocked in the earth, being looked down upon. Even now, you go into uh, places around the world. You know, my wife and I go to uh, Europe. We've been there many, many times recently. We go on ministry trips to Europe, and and we've been there. And it's like the anti-Semitism, just kind of the the racism, looking down and and mocking and uh, the Jew insulting the Jewish people. It's, It's demonic. It's growing in the earth. And But Jesus has this awesome promise. He's like, guys, when I return, that's going to be fixed. Now here, listen to this. The king over the all the earth forever is a Jewish man. Jesus is Jewish, and he's going to remain human in his Jewish ancestry forever and ever. He's a descendant of David, sitting on the throne of David, ruling Israel, the Jewish people, in the city of Jerusalem, who governs all the nations of the earth from there. So he says, I am going to, at that time, I will remove forever, like permanently, all insults and mockery against his land and people, which, by the way, that's one of the reasons I think that this prophecy by Isaiah has not yet been fulfilled, because it says he will remove forever the insults and the mockery of uh, the land and the people, and that's not the case right now. There's still tons of insults and mockery of the land and contention over the land of Israel belonging to the Jewish people that's escalating in the earth right now. That's not been fulfilled yet, but that will be, I believe, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then it says, I love this statement, the Lord has spoken. I just I just want to say this real quick, and then I'll read the last verse. Um, I love these epic passages where God makes these grand promises, like that seems so impossible. I mean, like, like you look at how things are in the earth and it's like, man, this just see this is gonna take like miraculous acts of God to pull this off. And he makes these huge grand promises and then he ends them and he says, The Lord has spoken. 
Or in other passages, he's like, I, the Lord, has promised this, and I have promised this, and I will do it. And there's these certain, you know, there are some things, parts of God's will, that are um, contingent upon our uh, cooperation. You know, we have to obey him, and then he fulfills those promises. But there are certain huge, like, uh, key, uh, key pieces, building parts of God's plan that he says, guys, I'm doing this. And no one's going to stop me and nothing's going to stop me. He says, I am going to do this very thing. And our, you know, our choice doesn't affect whether he's going to do it or not. Our choice affects whether we get to participate in it or not when he does it. And when he talks about these awesome things he's going to do at the wedding supper of the Lamb, I believe, uh, he's just like, hey, guys, this is going to happen. This is non-negotiable. I am doing this. And I believe you know, our only choice is, is like, man, I want to be there. I want to get to participate in that. For sure, this is going to happen. I want to make sure I'm one of the guys at getting my reward celebrating at that wedding supper of the Lamb. And that's why I believe John wrote about it in Revelation 19. And he's like, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so, yeah, amen. In the verse 9 of Isaiah 25, it says, in that day, they will say, surely this is our God. Now he's talking about Israel. He'd be like, surely this is our God. They're looking at Jesus, the Lamb of God. We trusted in him and he saved us because all Israel has been saved by that point at the triumphal entry when Jesus came back to Jerusalem. This is the Lord, they say. We trusted in him. And listen to this. Listen to this. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Does that phrase sound familiar? It's the exact same wording that John uses when he describes the wedding supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. I believe John was even pulling that phrase from Isaiah in chapter 25 because I think these two passages are speaking, prophesying about the same event, the wedding supper of the Lamb. So just a quick recap what will happen at the wedding supper of the Lamb? The saints will be given new garments representing our righteous acts and God's approval over our lives. I think we're going to receive eternal rewards even at that point and promotions, etc. Jesus, number two, will permanently vindicate his people. but The saints, but the Jews and the saints, and he will vindicate his land, Israel. Uh, there will be a great feast. I'm excited about that. I love good food. I am so excited for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll be in our resurrected bodies by then, so I can eat as much as I want, and it's not going to have a negative effect on me. I'm not going to blow up and get unhealthy. I'm going to be fit and strong, and the food is going to benefit me and strengthen me and not hurt me in any way. So, woo Finally, uh, number four, all peoples from every nation will be there participating in some way. And, uh, and then finally, the Lord will remove the curse off of creation. So super, super awesome thing. Guys, as always, uh, just, uh, you know, these are just, I, I read these passages, and when I meditate on the passages about the wedding supper of the Lamb and kind of put the pieces together and then uh, and just let my imagination run to uh, you know, fill in the details, those are the thoughts that I have. So again, I'm not dogmatic about the timing of the details or but you know i think that's a pretty good uh educated anointed uh, uh, uh 
guess, so to speak, or estimation um, of what the the marriage supper of the Lamb will be like. It's going to be awesome. You want to be there participating in it. And guys, I want to encourage you, like this, when you study these things, it makes me want to devote my life to Jesus in this age. No matter how difficult, no matter, I want to live a fruitful, focused life of worshiping Jesus loving people, preaching the gospel. I don't want to, I want to stand in righteousness. I I want to have tons of righteous acts for him to talk about at the wedding supper of the lamb to give me garments for that express his affection and his gratitude for these righteous choices that I made in life. I want, makes me want to live for Jesus and receive my full reward. It's going to be worth it. The suffering is momentary. You know, the apostle Paul said this in second Corinthians, I believe it's uh, chapter four, 16 through 18. He says, though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed each day. And then he says this, for our light and momentary, that's the key word, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he says, therefore, I fix my eyes, not on what is seen, the temporary. I'm not going after and living for the things of this world and and just getting caught up and immersed in the things of this earth. He says, I fix my eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Guys, the reward is coming. The wedding supper of the Lamb is going to be awesome. Blessed are all who are invited. You want to be there. Live for Jesus with all your heart, and you'll be there. You'll get your reward. The Lord has spoken this event is going to happen your reward is certain stay steady believing the lord amen thank you for listening to this episode of the five state revival podcast i'd love to hear any feedback you have or questions related to what i talked about in this episode you can email me at five state revival at gmail.com so that's the number five State revival at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the video version of this uh, recording, uh, you can go to the Five State Revival YouTube channel, look at the End Times for Beginners playlist, and see all the videos from this course uh, right there on that playlist. So thank you so much. I'll look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode.